Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Cinema Limbo and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. Phillips, writer, critic, and shut-in, and you are entering Cinema Limbo, the way station for underappreciated films. This edition, the prelude to a new series, examines the impact the COVID-19 lockdown has had on the film industry, on personal viewing habits, and looks at what may be next for the business. My guest is Chris Arnsby, and you join us each in our own improvised soundproof cupboards. Hello, Chris. Hello. Now, um, clearly, there's been something of a substantial change in circumstances since the last episode of the podcast. So I was hoping to uh, ease the listener into a new run by um, uh, perhaps giving an indication of what's going on in the wider film world hmm. while uh, everyone is being forced to stay within their own homes. Yes, yeah. Well, isn't the isn't the wider implication of the film world that nobody's able to go to the cinema? That's the big one. <laughs> yes, I mean we've even had to change how we're recording this, as as the listener might be able to tell. We're not together. This is the first time you and I have recorded an episode where we're not in the same room. Mm. Uh, you're you're at home. I'm actually self isolating with my mother because otherwise we'd be on our own in London and on the South Coast, we decided to team up so that we both don't go insane. Yeah. And we've been still working and keeping things running, keeping the economy going, as mm. we've been dictated to that we should be. But uh, all this time, um, we haven't been able to go to the cinema. Uh, the last film I saw in the cinema was The Invisible Man, which I saw at the beginning of March. Mm. So it's been three months. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, it's been interesting to follow the film news and see how the film world has been impacted. Um, it's it's wrecked the summer plans. Yeah. Um, half a dozen major blockbuster movies have been forced to change their release dates, delays by up to a year. Oh. Um, we, were, we were supposed to be getting a new Fast and Furious film um, in in May which was not apparently very well promoted that it was even <laughs> in existence. That's been delayed until April of 2021. Okay. I knew they were delaying stuff until Christmas because at one point it was just beginning to look like Christmas was just going to be a complete mess as well because suddenly everything was coming out. But, yeah, why not delay stuff for a year, I guess, if uh, if that's the only alternative? Um, the, uh, the new Saw movie, um, uh, written by and starring Chris Rock... Uh, it's been delayed for a year. Um, the new Ghostbusters film is coming out in spring next year. Wow. Um, some delays have been less severe. I mean, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is currently due to come out in August. Mm. Um, a, good play, a, a Good Place Part 2? A Quiet Place Part 2 
Oh yeah. Um, is is taking over the Labor Day weekend slot at the beginning of September. I but th- as you said, the end of the year is going to be insanely busy mm. because we're looking at um, a Marvel movie and a James Bond movie opening pretty much in consecutive weeks, and then at Christmas there's a logjam in the the week before Christmas of uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Um, Eddie Murphy's Coming to America, the sequel to Coming to America. Um, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, and the long-awaited by nobody Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) Well, I'm sure it's been waited, but yeah, like like Tom Cruise's mum or something. His mother is dead. Oh dear. I I don't know, but um, as she might well be dead to him. But, But the way cinema has been affected as a whole, not just with you know, having to reshuffle things around. Mm. But long term, I think has been interesting that productions can't really resume. So by delaying things now, they're giving themselves some breathing space. Yes. Uh, until until they can actually make films normally again. Yeah, because, I mean, sometimes the... <sighs> The lead-ins on some of these films is horrendous, anyway, isn't it? With you know trying to give time for special effects and stuff. Um, so whether there's going to be a weird period, unless they can sort of eke out the stuff that they've already got in the can, I wonder if you might end up looking at a, a, a sort of a bit of a threadbare patch sometime next year. Next summer is going to be um, thin, I think. Because there will have been no opportunity to get stuff filmed in time. Yeah. Because they, because they would be the, the big blockbusters with the visual effects and everything. Mm. And ironically, the visual effects is the one thing that would be unaffected. Because the yes. visual effects artists can work from home. They can work in isolation much more easily. It's actually getting the, the raw materials yeah. <laughs> is the hard part. And having enough time to get everything else done. Yeah. Yes, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from... Goes from here. I wonder as well whether you can kind of play a game with looking at the films that people have kind of got faith in. So it's interesting that you said that the new Ghostbusters has been kicked very much into the long grass of next year. I can't help wondering if people had a little bit more faith in it, would or, or you know, would they have brought that one forwards? It's there is of course no way of knowing. But it's just interesting to see what's the stuff that we must get this... You know, like the the new James Bond film is definitely in the category of we must get this out as soon as possible. Whereas some of the other stuff seems to be, ah, people can people can wait for this. Well, particularly with uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, it's shifted from, uh, I think it was going to be mid-May, it's mm. now coming out in April, which is, uh, out of the summer block, a much safer... Mm. Um, less demanding time at the box office. I don't think it was a wildly expensive film anyway. Right. Uh, Particularly compared to the 2016 film, which was far too expensive for a comedy. Yeah. Um, This one, I think, is going to be much more stripped down. Um, And I think that makes it a much wiser move than plonking it down Mm. in the aftermath of a a Marvel movie. Yeah. And and expecting it to be a, a smash hit. Yes, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's in some ways, it's. 
I'm trying to remember what film it was. Was it Altered States? I know this is going back a bit now, but at one point that was the director filmed it, I, I believe, with the intention it was going to be released in January because his whole thought was that let's stick this out at a time when... Uh, yeah, the, well, the pressure the pressure is low. No yeah. one is no one's going to be upset if it doesn't make a hundred million. Exactly, but I think for whatever reason it got held over and it kind of got crushed at the box office. Could be, it may not have been altered states, but I d- I've certainly heard that example given a few times with films. Yeah, I mean things that are shuffled to, uh, you know, like the old joke about you know moving uh, programs around in the schedules. Yes. To um, so that they uh, don't compete. So that what's the joke? Oh, just to move, move, um, moving them around to give the other programs a chance. Give the other, exactly. Yeah, I mean, a, two sitcoms spring to mind: A Perfect State and A Prince Among Men, both mm. of which were shuffled from midweek prime time to Sunday afternoon, <laughs> and uh, have never been heard from again. No, that's right. Um... So, I mean, yeah, I mean, James Bond has arguably been moved to. A more competitive slot because mm. it was supposed to come out at the beginning of April, and it's now coming out at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, whereas Black Widow has almost gone the other way because it was supposed to be the spearhead at the, at the start of May for the launch of the summer season. Now it's coming out at the beginning of November, mm. which is uh, still quite a strong slot, but it's much less of a. Um, it's going to be much less focus on it being a mega smash. Yeah. Yes, it's funny, isn't and now, it? And now that's going to be following on the heels of heels of um, Wonder Woman 1984. Whereas before it's going to be the other way around. So it's going to, it's, I'm sure there'll be a lot of think pieces comparing how the two female-led superhero movies uh, will perform against each other this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, because... Um, to be honest, I'm really not that interested in Black Widow. <laughs> the, the trailers, the trailer, the trailers make it look like a '90s movie. They make it look like the Daredevil movie. Oh God! I mean, the the the, the difficult thing with a lot of the Marvel movies is that they are. I, I'm I, I'm struggling to 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 find a non-patronising way to put this. They're fine. I've never gone to the cinema and watched one and come out thinking, "Well, I wasted my money there," but. There's no obvious hook for Black Widow, from my perspective. Um, the character, it, the character, hasn't been developed sufficiently to be really engaging emotionally, mm. and the fact that her storyline was closed off with Avengers Endgame, yeah, and that this is a flashback movie. Oh right. Um, yeah. This is set sort of earlier in Phase Three, I think, sort of after um, Captain America: Civil War. Um, but it makes me think, I mean, as I as I said earlier, that I mean, I'm finally finishing watching the rebooted Battlestar Galactica a mere fifteen years after it was broadcast. Hmm. Um, that's the, that's the one thing that lockdown has given me is the time to actually finally finish watching it. Yeah. Um, there's a flashback movie at the beginning of the last season, or as a two-parter or feature-length episode. Oh, there is. Which is, is set halfway through the previous season but one. Yes, this and is the one about the Pegasus. Really, and it's, yeah. and it, it's, it's called Razor, and it's really boring, and it adds nothing, and the story goes nowhere, and I didn't understand what the point of it was. And it turns out it was a purely economic studio decision so that they would have a standalone TV movie they could sell on DVD. Um, 
and the re- the reasons why Battlestar Galactica is completely falling apart in its final season well, are actually nothing to do with the fact that they had this TV movie thrown into the middle of the schedule. It's to do with them having absolutely no idea what's going on. Yes, I mean, I I have heretical views about Battlestar Galactica anyway, and that you know they, they peaked. So and you I, prefer the, you prefer the original series. I I need more Chrome. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with the with the monkey that's dressed like a robot, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Mo- moving on, <laughs> moving on from it was acceptable in the seventies. Um. <laughs> so the question, therefore, is um, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen with the way um, major movies will be made, mm. uh, and how they're going to be released uh, until? the whole COVID-19 situation is sufficiently resolved so that we can get back to, in inverted commas, normal. Mm. Um, I've had to follow the news quite a bit, and it looks as though we might have a vaccine by the end of the year, possibly. Mm. Um, Which is great, obviously. But the economic impact on the film industry is going to be huge because you're not going to be able to get enough people in cinemas. You're not going to be able to persuade people that it's safe to go. And no. you're not going to be able to have people, you know, filling every seat. I've seen pictures of theatres where they're taking out at least a third of the seats. Yeah. So that there are gaps everywhere so that people can distance while they're watching the play. Yes. Even if they sell out every seat, that's going to be a huge hit to their level of income. Mm. Although. Christopher Nolan has been adamant that Tenet will be released in July. He has seen Tenet as being the film that will relaunch movie going and has been very against the concept of either pushing the release date or switching it to a uh, home media release of some sort. Mm. Streaming streaming or uh, premium VOD like Trolls World Tour, which supposedly was a big hit. Yes, I, I understand uh, I think, that. I think I think I think I think Trolls World Tour was mainly a big hit because it, it acted as a digital babysitter. <laughs> I understand it's one of the few films that's in Oscar contention this year. <laughs> well, to be honest, I mean, if we're looking at that at the moment, one of the big contenders is The Invisible Man, which I really liked. Mm. So, so I'd be fine with that. <laughs> um, and, I mean, the Oscars has changed its rules. Yeah, uh, as a as a one off for this year, they're going to allow uh, films that were released over streaming services. Mm. Um, so lots of stuff that's bypassed cinema release or would have had a very limited release, like for example, uh, Josh Trank's comeback movie. Uh, you know, what is it? Five years after the Fantastic Four, he Gosh. finally made a new movie about Al Capone. Okay, with Tom Hardy as the elderly. Well, I say elderly. He was in his forties. Uh, Capone living in a, a grand mansion after he's released from prison. Uh, he has um, syphilis-related dementia. His brain is dissolving, and past and present are starting to merge together in his mind. And this would have had a fairly limited mm. cinema release, but it went straight to VOD, and it had a lot more attention through that. Yeah. Okay. What what chat, so, what, what 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 service is that one on? Because this is the other problem, of course, is now that. Stuff isn't well, get- annoyingly, that one's not available in the UK. Ah, but they <laughs> because and, I checked, and that's exactly it. You know, stuff is you know, suddenly it's oh, well, that's on Amazon Prime, or that's on Netflix, or that's on some service you've never heard of before. Um, 
And yeah, suddenly things aren't getting... Mind you, Trolls. I don't know, how did Trolls work? I think that was that was released by the studio. So I think they were... Uh, I mean, uh, we have Sky here, mm. and it was available through the Skybox by... Through the like the Sky Box Office right. system, where you can just you can rent films digitally. Yeah. So I think if you have the capacity to do that, then it's just available wherever you have access. Yeah, any Rather kind of than being. Yeah, because the money goes. You're you're specifically paying for the movie. It's not through a platform. Yeah. Like like Amazon or like Netflix, where yeah. it's you, you you pay for the subscription, then you help yourself. It's a it's a delivery rather than a smorgasbord. Yeah. That makes sense. But that, but that's, but that's a problem. If um, I mean, it could be a problem with that film specifically again because that was a smaller film. It's likely to have different distributors in different markets. So the UK distributor might think, well, we don't want to do that. We'll wait for a bit and try and get us give it a cinema release or yeah. bring it out on DVD later in the year. Whereas with Trolls, that was Universal Studio, so they're just going to release it everywhere. All yeah, once. they can. They can pretty much do what they like with it. Yes. Yeah, in the same way that if. Nolan would have changed his mind and released Tenet. That would come out everywhere all at once mm. because it's Warner Brothers. I admire it's his... It's not going to be... Yeah, his um, his stubbornness. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say optimism, but stubbornness might be a better word. <laughs> I see his point about wanting to support cinema releases, support cinema as a mm. business, and stick to the idea of the theatrical experience being important mm. for... You know, what's going to be a, you know, a huge scale epic action adventure yeah but it look it looks like stubbornness and i i suspect that it's counterproductive mm. but i mean I, i'm never sure of the economics these days but am i right in thinking that most cinemas make their money through the sale of um food and drink rather than from through ticket sales they make most of their money through um, concessions, yeah. So in theory, this could the, this idea of cinemas that were only a third full, mind you, of course, I was going to say it would hurt the bottom line of the films more than the cinemas, but of course the cinemas will also be selling a third less, two thirds less food, unless you can persuade people it's their patriotic duty to cram as many hot dogs into themselves as they can. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, it is well, generally speaking, it's just gonna it's gonna hurt everybody, isn't it? Yeah, it'll because it the amount of money they make is determined by the number of people coming in through yeah, the door. Yeah, yeah. Um, and their running costs aren't going to change. They still have to pay ground rent. They still have to pay all their bills and everything. Those aren't going to change. No, that's true. You know, it costs it costs as much to show a film to five people as it does to show to a hundred. Mm. Um, and it's the smaller independent cinemas that will suffer. Yes, which is a great shame, and that's going to further down the line impact the ability for smaller films to get a theatrical release and will increase the gulf between cinemas being where you watch the big movies mm. and smaller films will have to struggle and fight and find an audience through home media, through um, premium VOD, through streaming and through um, disc releases. Yeah. And it's, it's, just, it's just going to increase the divide even more. Yes, I suppose. Which is a a major, major problem for the industry, and I'm not sure how seriously that's been taken so far. I don't suppose it will ever kind of come to this, but you do wonder with what with the situation with Disney having released its own streaming service, if for whatever reason Black Widow couldn't come out at Christmas, 
would they dump it on Disney Plus or would they make it available through any? Because you're almost at that point, you're almost self-limiting your own audience, aren't you? I think the sensible move for them would be to put it on premium VOD. Yeah. Where it would be the, like the same thing as Trolls or several other films that had um, early release, which is um, like a three-day rental for 20 quid. Mm. Um, putting it on Disney Plus would mean that they would be making their money out of it, the increased numbers of subscriptions. Yeah. Disney Plus has been a huge hit. Uh, true, yeah. Um, it's, I mean, there were these two streaming services that launched almost simultaneously just before the lockdown. Mm. Disney Plus, with its gigantic back catalogue of stuff that people know and love, has been a giant hit all over the world. Yeah. Quibi, on the other hand, has been a colossal disaster. Is, Have you heard of Quibi? I was going to say, is this a bad time for me to say what's Quibi? Um, Quibi was, invent- was created by Jeffrey Katzenberg, and the idea is that it's a streaming service that works exclusively on mobile devices. Uh, Christopher Nolan wouldn't approve of that. Oh, uh, no, never. But because it's Jeffrey Katzenberg, who's run studios in the past, he was able to um, accumulate a huge war chest of money and attract Mm. the most ridiculous level of talent. Like, uh, Steven Spielberg has a series on Quibi. Uh, Sam Raimi's directed a bunch of stuff for them. They've got you know movie stars working on stuff there. Wow. Um, Idris Elba's done a car show for them. But what's the point in having stuff that's only available on mobile devices when you can't leave the house? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it doesn't help that they they haven't had a a breakout. They had like when Netflix launched, they had Orange Is the New Black and House of Cards. Yeah. Which were big hits with audiences and critics when Amazon Prime launched I think they had um, The Man in the High Castle mm. um, Disney Plus had The Mandalorian yeah yeah and Quibi has had nothing <laughs> it hasn't had anything that's and, and the other idea is that because it's for people when they're commuting episodes are no more than 10 minutes mm. so you have either very short stories or it's heavily serialised. Yeah. It's not necessarily and a terrible idea, but, yeah. It's been killed stone dead yeah. by the timing. Yeah. And, there's no, and there, was, there was no way they could have predicted this. No. But they have thrown so much into this. There's so much talent, there's so much money, and it's such a limited concept that it looks like hubris, that mm. it's, it's fallen apart like this. And obviously it is the very least of the tragedies yeah. of the last few months. But it's interesting to see this is how filmmaking and streaming services are being impacted by this world-changing mm. situation. Um, I doubt they're going to go under. Um, but they are going to have to completely reconfigure their business if they want to actually make this work. I mean, one thing that really annoyed me is they had technology... That means you can watch the program or film or whatever it is um, in either portrait or landscape. Okay. Um, now, the idea of watching a TV show in portrait, holding my phone vertically, that makes me feel very cold inside. That doesn't doesn't feel right. No. No. 
it's one of those um it, it's one of those things that uh no it's, it's stuff it's, it's stuff whenever you see any anything that's shot in portrait and it's like on youtube or something it, it, there is just this desire to sort of go into the comments and just put turn your phone the right way around yeah it's it's really only acceptable if it's um, mobile phone footage that is then used on the news. Yes. Because you think, well, yeah, because the building's on fire and the man is being beaten by the police, so the, the person involved had more important things <laughs> yes. to do than make sure his phone was the yeah. right way around. Yeah, but, um, but under, any other, under any other circumstances, it's not acceptable. No, although presumably somebody is working on the inevitable self-isolation COVID-19 drama that will be filmed in portrait because it makes everything feel more claustrophobic. Well, one way of doing that I've already seen is having um, conversations between two people and you can have two portrait images side by side. Yeah, that's true. So you can have the two people talking. There, I mean, there's been a huge number of um, lockdown-based TV programmes already. Mm. There's one coming up in a few weeks with um, Michael Sheen and David Tennant in which they play themselves who are in the middle of rehearsing a play when the lockdown started, and now they're being told that they've got to continue working on this play while they're all trapped in their own homes. Hmm. And that's being made for the for the BBC yeah. and for broadcast. So I expect that's going to be along those lines, because that's all filmed by the participants. Yeah. And even, um, did you see any of the um, Saturday Night Live at home? No. Uh, they... But, they but... They carried on. They carried on making Saturday Night Live, but the cast were all filming themselves in their own homes. So okay. it's a lot of like monologues or one-person sketches, mm. or cleverly edited, or um, shoot filming themselves against green screen and compositing them together. Yeah, and they they were continually figuring out ways of of doing this differently and making it work. Yeah, no, I mean that's the thing, isn't it? If, 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 sometimes it's just an interesting technical. Uh, an interesting technical challenge, but no, I know that a lot of the American chat shows have been tr working on similar situations where it's like, okay, how can we get the host in? How can we get the guests in? Or have I got news for you? Where it's basically just a, a studio full of flat screens. I think I don't even think they've done that. I think it's just composited against pictures of the set. Yeah, yeah. But I've seen clips of that, and it's very weird without the audience. Mm. I think that's in the same way I. I, I watched uh, the first couple of editions of the Graham Norton show. Oh, yeah. Um, which he's he's clearly in his own home. He's against green screen with a bit of the set. Mm. And he's talking to his guests um, remotely. And it's still quite jolly and fun. But it misses, one, having the audience. And two, the gimmick of his show, which is having all the guests on the show all at once. Mm. So he's only talking to them one at a time. And as a result, it feels like a... An oddly airless, yeah, cold, uh, depersonalized process, regardless of how cheery and jolly they're trying to keep it. Yeah, no, it's a, there's a relatively elderly Radio Four series called Saturday Night Fry, which is Stephen Fry doing a kind of spoof sort of uh, loose ends series where guests come in and things, but it's obviously because of the style of the program, it's done without an audience. And the comedy has a weird 
it's quite a, I, I'm struggling to find it, it, it's, it's quite a, almost haunting is not the right word but but there's something very very cold about it when you listen to it because what you're listening to is something that's obviously meant to be funny and is frequently very very funny but there's no reaction from the from an audience and there's no reaction from the cast and it gives the whole program a very unsettling edge to it it's 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 odd like like Ken Dodd being trapped in a giant Tupperware container. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. So um, I've spoken to a few friends about um, their hopes to return to the cinema. Obviously, we're all looking forward to Tenet because mm. everyone expects that to be great, even though it looks basically like Inception Part 2. Yeah. Um, if that's released on July 17th, would you be comfortable going to see it in the cinema? Probably not is the answer. It would have to be. I don't think. It would have to be the greatest film ever. And the other problem, of course, is it would have to be the greatest film ever. And if you didn't go and see it in the cinema, you would never get to see it. Yeah, but obviously that wouldn't happen because no. Warner Brothers knows home media is a huge thing, and it will be out on DVD. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sometime before Christmas. So no. I mean, the only. Um, I mean. It, uh, uh, IMAX is probably an option. I, I expect it's going to be released in IMAX, mm. as most of Nolan's other films are. So that's something that would get people into cinemas. Mm. But the um, the idea, I, of, sorry, the, the the idea of going to the BFI IMAX to watch it feels uh, chills me as well. No, I'm July is too soon for me to think about sort of seriously going outdoor, going and sitting indoors with with lots of other people. Even if they were to take half the chairs. Intellectually, I know that the further away you are from people, the safer you are. But the, I tell you, the first time somebody coughs... <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a stampede for the fire yeah. exit. Yeah. And if you try that, yeah, the first time there's a... And if there's a stampede for the fire exit at uh, the BFI IMAX... Uh, at the... At the, the, the uh, uh, an IMAX cinema, it's going to look at the 400-metre hurdles. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I share your concern, and <laughs> my mother has all but ordered me not to go to the mm. cinema. Um, uh, we have to trust the the scientific data for the time being, yeah. and that's the scientific data, and not the politicians because they lie. Well, um, and um, wait for the R number to go down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm no longer going to the local shop because I'm concerned about the number of people breaking lockdown. Mm. Yes. Um, hope. I mean, to be honest, I'm more excited about Wonder Woman 1984, and that's not out till the middle of August. Mm. By which time, maybe it'll be okay. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the things later in the year, like um, Bill and Ted face the music, yes. or Halloween Kills, or No Time to Die, that I'm really really excited about. Mm. And, and by that point, I think pre- people generally agree: if you're careful, it'll be fine. But you have to be careful. And the other thing as well is that there will be, you know, there will be mistakes. You know, and that's not to blame anybody. It's just that, that as as cinemas, along with every other business, starts to reopen, there will be a period where they get things wrong. And uh, if Tenet is coming out in July, I don't want to be part of the cinema audience that has to go through the, oh, that didn't work maybe we need to put the seats further apart phase you know i'd, I'd actually mm. prefer to delay my return to the cinema until you know 
until, as you say, October, November, when you've seen three or four big releases and gone, yeah, you know what? Nobody got sick from going to see, or n- nobody got n- nobody got sicker than usual from going to see the new Michael Bay film. So maybe it's time to risk going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bitch! <laughs> yeah, take that. Um, but yes, but possibly, and that's the thing. Or go and see less popular films. Uh, go go yeah, go and see the equivalent of um, Geostorm or something, because you're pretty much self-isolating. <laughs> oh, that's mean. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, it's it's quite a big change in landscape for the mm. time being, for um, the film world and for the TV world. I mean, I've been trying to catch up on films that I've missed that are suddenly turning up on Netflix, mm. and I've been carrying on with the first takes listener, yeah. which I hope you've been enjoying, particularly with the uh, new sound recording equipment, so that you can hear what I'm saying now. Hmm. But uh, it's impacted the podcast as well, of course, yeah. because um, everyone's far away. Yes. Um, this is hopefully going to be the launch of a new run of Cinema Limbo. I don't know how long it's going to last for, mm. but I've got a few episodes prepped, and I've got people interested in carrying on. So uh, you'll be seeing those in the near future. Uh, the review of the year is going to be um, interesting, because <laughs> firstly, I haven't seen enough films from last year yet, because last year was such slim pickings. Mm that I'm still trying to make up the numbers. Wow. But also, I will have seen so few films from this year mm. that I'm tempted to just roll both years together. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Might. And, just, and, just, and just wait until March next year and do 2019 and 2020 as a single calendar year. Yeah, that might be the, that might be the simplest option. I mean, the only downside then, of course, is that you know, sort of, I'm sitting there thinking, what, what did I see in 2019? <laughs> Yeah, but there's times when I can barely remember what I had for tea last week. So, you know, the idea of trying to remember what I thought about Captain Marvel, because I think that was a 2019 film, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yeah. it was. I think I'll get my thing. I like the cat bit where, where the tentacle came out. That was quite funny. <laughs> well, my, my choice for best film of 2019 uh, at the moment <laughs> is Knives Out. Okay. I don't know how that's going to change because... Yeah. Um, I mean, Knives Out is great. Everyone seems to like it. Mm. For a change, I'm not going against the grain there. Yeah. Um, and I've still got a few films to see, but the films that I have the option to watch on Netflix yeah. are fairly limited, so it's going to be bulked out with things like the Child's Play remake. Cool. Um, uh, and um, something called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, which is a foreign language film, about okay. which I know nothing. And it might be great. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, it's probably going to be better than the Child's Play remake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With uh, Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky. Okay. And the gimmick is that instead of being possessed by the soul of a murderer, um, there was a disgruntled um, production line operative at the Chucky factory. So he set the doll switch from good to evil (laughs) on his last day and put it back on the production line, which is the exact same joke as the Simpsons did about thirty years ago. Oh, I thought you were being sorry. I thought you were being sarcastic. No, that's no, that's the no, that's the plot of the movie. I'm not. I'm not joking. Wow. I think that's a miss from me, to be honest. Well, apparently the idea is that the the new Chucky doll can um, wirelessly connect to all the. Uh, wireless items in your home, so he can turn your fridge against you, for example, um, or um, you know, fire things out of your printer towards you. Yeah. 
So I, it's a cross between Child's Play and Demon's Seed. My, so far, my spine remains unchilled, but maybe it will work <laughs> better in context. I well, mean, I'm, pre- I'm pretty much going to be forced to watch it, so I'll keep you posted. Yes, yeah. I'm not going to hold my breath if it's all the same to you. So some of the um, movies I've got coming up are themed around things we could do if we were allowed outside. Hmm. So I've got films about foreign trips and um, uh, you know, going going back onto public transport and um, even uh, going back to the old homeland. Hmm. Um, so, listener, that's uh, something to keep you occupied for a little while. Uh, should you be in need of something uh, to... Uh, wrap your brain around hmm. if you've run out of episodes of Battlestar Galactica to watch. Well, and obviously if you've run out of episodes of Battlestar Galactica, I can also recommend the 1978 series. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Chris for making time for this recording. Cinema Limbo is now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Acast, with almost 80 episodes available, so please download, review and subscribe. We're also on Twitter, at cinema underscore limbo, and we're also on Patreon, so please pop a penny in the box to help us with our running costs. However, until next time, stay home, stay safe, and I'll see you soon. You have been listening to Cinema Limbo, hosted and produced by Jeremy Phillips, with editing and music by Philip Alderman. Cinema Limbo is part of the Podnose Podcasting Network, so please visit us at www.podnose.com. Thank you.